Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into a very special edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. We're going to talk about football players that we've never really seen play and that we probably won't see play for multiple years, Jack. No, I'm going to say it. I've seen Billy Atkins play on his (laughs) huddle tape, which he only puts his best plays on. But man, this kid can, uh, he has a pretty good arm for a, a, what is he probably, a senior high schooler? 50 air yards, man. 50 air yards. That makes me excited. Like, this whole class makes me excited. Skylar Martin, his picture's at Wake Forest. Come on. <laughs> Come on. He does. His bio picture appears to be a visit to Wake Forest, which is cool. Kind of like that. But, yeah, we're talking about signing day on this edition of the Jamie Sports News Podcast. We'll also touch on basketball a little bit. The men seem to be healthy now, so I think they're coming out of pause. Fingers crossed. They're supposed to play East Carolina, Mike Houston School on Saturday. East Carolina's actually pretty good in hoops. And um, then they'll play Florida next Tuesday in a game that they'll probably lose by a lot, but that's okay. And we'll talk about the women's team, which has kind of struggled a little bit here with some some power five competition. I think I had said they were gonna beat West Virginia, so if we could just pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> if everyone could agree to pretend that didn't happen, it'd be great. I'm letting you just kind of riff on this basketball thing right now as I do a deeper dive into the signing day stuff. Cause I'm really, I'm really excited to jump into football later on. And you're the one that's watched all the women's basketball this season. You're the one that had your heart broken against Maryland cause they got crushed. Well, they haven't played Maryland yet. They haven't. No, they played Maryland on oh, West Saturday. Virgi- they played West Virginia. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, the barometer game. I think I would say that uh, Maryland has a chance to be worse. Maryland's a better team than West Virginia. So that one could get, Kind of ugly. A year after JMU should have beaten Maryland 100% in the Convocation Center. I think it was the team's only loss at home last year. So it was. a heartbreaker, a heartbreaker. They'll they'll play Maryland, which is ranked 14th on Saturday on the road. They lost to West Virginia by 31. Um, that's a lot, right? I think they're, they're young. I've talked about them being the perfect pandemic team. I think they are. They need time to develop. No one's really expecting them. I think I've also said, you know, they're not a Sweet 16 team and they're, they're not an NCAA not. tournament team. I mean, they well, could make it. They, they're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not a team. Yeah, they're not a team that can probably realistically win a game in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Ask like a 12 seed, exactly, or 13 seed. So it's it's gonna just be fun to watch them go through conference play and 
hopefully get through as many games as they can and, and whatever they get this year, I think is a bonus. So um, a tough loss against West Virginia, probably going to be another tough showing against Maryland, but it's it's nice that they added Maryland to the schedule. It's good to have those games against West Virginia and Maryland before conference play because you're not going to see a team in, in the CAA that's anywhere near West Virginia or Maryland. So I think this is really about just experience. You make the team as good as you can. Future seasons, they can sort of use those games as, as building blocks and lessons learned. So, yeah, that's basically my take on women. Yeah, I do love how they do this every season. Like, they they, they make a hard out-of-conference schedule, a yeah. hard non-conference schedule. And, I mean, they're probably going to go into conference play with two losses and probably some bad showings, honestly, against superior talent. But, yeah, like you said, they're not going to face a West Virginia team. They're not going to face a Maryland team in the CAA. So if you can kind of, I don't know what the best word is for it, grease up the wheels with those two teams and and just see where you're at. I mean, I, I love that they do this in non-con because when I first, I think I was like a sophomore or freshman at JMU and they'd always have these bad non-conference slates. Bad, I put air quotes around that because they're playing these better teams. And in my mind, I was like, well, they're losing. So they're not even that good. And the conference play would come around and then they just destroy the competition. And now I'm sitting here realizing that, oh, if you make your non-conference hard, you're going to be a lot better in a bad conference slate. So that's my takeaway from women's basketball. I can't wait to actually dive in Saturday, Saturday at 11 a.m., man. (laughs) Hey man, it's a perfect time. Get up early and watch some of the games. Well, I'm going to be up because I'm I work 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday. Okay, it, that's all college football. Well, then it doesn't work out great for you. But it's it's interesting. It's good that they get those games. I like that they're able to add them because when the team gets good and like not that the team isn't good now, but when the team gets like NCAA tournament good in multiple seasons from now, uh, I think by freshman year maybe I think they beat UCLA in the Convocation Center and stuff like that. Like it's just. It's fun when they're good enough to beat these teams last year. They should have beaten like a top 10 Maryland. So yeah, good to get them on the schedule. You'll learn from it and hopefully move forward. And maybe one day you'll be able to have your schedule work well enough where you can dive into these, these back-to-back nonsensical weekend series that they'll have the rest of the way in conference play. Keep forgetting about those. I'm so, I love those. Those make me so, <laughs> so excited. I love it. Although it's going to stink that like both teams do that. And then you have like Monday through Friday without anything yeah but it's also funny because Towson's the only one that it's at and then home that one doesn't make any sense to me I like, like I don't understand that like is, it, is that correct I would assume <laughs> but uh, like my my thinking with that is that oh because it's Towson they're like within a drivable oh, distance but sense. then they don't do it for William and Mary they don't do it for Delaware huh. which is odd it's just funny and then gonna be a fun season i'm really excited it's gonna be maybe we'll start having to do the podcast on monday or tuesday when the thoughts are fresh and then we'll drop like a midweek pod it's a good idea yeah we'll we'll, we're talking it out and um (laughs) moving from our quick blurb on basketball into what we all came here for this is you gotta get the men men's basketball oh i thought you already hit men's basketball no we didn't hit the men Oh, let me give a quick men's hit. <laughs> There's because nothing going on we, in men's basketball. They're coming out of pause. Well, Mark Byington gave a quote that made me happy in the O'Neill's presser. That's really the only, only reason I'm talking about the men. They play ECU in Florida. Like ECU 
is better than EC was when like Stucky Mosley hit the buzzer beater <laughs> on like that inst- horrible play design that worked. That everyone, okay, real quick, let's talk about bad play designs under Coach Lewis Rowe. There was that terrible play design. And then do you remember the CAA tournament years ago where Matt, Matt Lewis just dribbled and the key? <laughs> Matt gets the ball and there's clearly a wide open Dwight, and I think they're down two could have just easily fed it to him for just an easy little lay-in and would have gone to OT. Matt takes a a contested three, like, in the corner and nails it, which is great. But, like, it's the wrong basketball play. And But everyone on Twitter was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go, Matt. And and I'm just sitting in the corner like, no, that was wrong. Okay, whatever. Back to it. Absolutely love that play design with Stucky Mosley where they show him in the huddle. He scribbles in the middle creating this mess and has Stucky Mosley go to the side and that's what happened. He heaves this off balance lefty jumper that goes in. That didn't make any sense. But anyway, it worked I guess. But East Carolina, they're 5-1. and one. They just lost to SMU. They started undefeated. They got a big guy who's really good. He's like a double-double machine from what I've heard. Joel Mensa is about to strap him up. Uh, if he plays. And then I think Florida is very good. Obviously, they're down. Uh, their their best player who had that health scare looks like he's doing better, which is great to see. Uh, certainly won't play in the game. Um, so still a really huge challenge because Florida is really good. So you'd expect two losses there, but Mark Byington basically said, we're coming out of pause. We're trying to prepare for conference play. I just want them to compete. I really don't care what happens, <laughs> was basically his, his quote. So they might get blown out the next two games. He does not care. He's preparing them for conference play. And I think that is what I'm basically excited to watch at this point. Conference play? Yeah, I want to see them play conference games. It stinks that they're going to have, what is it, it'll be five games under their belt going into conference play. But they haven't played it. I mean, they haven't played in December yet. That's men's basketball. Well, that's basketball in general in the year 2020, it really seems like. like it's weird. Makes you wonder if we should be playing, but that's a whole other story. Um, oh, Coach K. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't say it after losses, all right? <laughs> yeah, because we didn't. That's true. Jamie just beat Radford, so we were allowed to get those takes in now. Is that our last game? Wow, yeah, that was. Wow. So it's been so long, but hopefully they're able to come out and do whatever they do. And I am excited for conference play because I think the CAA is going to be a special kind of bad this year in men's basketball. I watched a game a few nights ago, William & Mary, George Washington. Oh, yeah. Just, just This is my take on the CAA. William & Mary is going to probably win the CAA because all it takes – Okay, they're not going to win. They look terrible. For, what, a 40-minute game, they probably look terrible for 25 minutes of it. Like, for more than half of the game, William & Mary was trash. George Washington built up this huge lead. Jameer Nelson Jr. balling out on him. And then all of a sudden, William & Mary, like, battles back and gets the win and all of this stuff. And I think that was more indicative of George Washington just pooping on themselves and losing the lead more so than William and Mary, like being a good team. They do have a really good player. Luke Lowy, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, ball oh, he's out a shooter, right? He's a, he's a baller. He's not a shooter. He's a baller. Uh, he, <laughs> he played a really good game, but um, no, that's my takeaway from the CAA is William and Mary isn't that great of a team. And they're, they're kind of led by one player. And if you can shut them down, which is kind of how every CAA team is built like every year. If you think about it, like Charleston was good because of Grant Riller. Like UNCW was dominant for all of those years because of Devontae Kaycock. Like, and they had that um, – they had a 6'7 guy who had no business being on that team. He was so good. I can't remember what his name was. They, I almost beat, they, almost, they gave Duke a run that year in the NCAA tournament, and they were like – they ran the full-court press with Kevin Keyes. They were sweet. 
They were, yeah, yeah. But like, like you're saying, you need like one or two, like just studs, and you're right. I'm like, Hofstra should be fine because they're well coached. They've got some good players. William Mary, like you're saying, they've got a guy or two. And their coach um, is good. I watched Towson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched Towson. They was not impressed by Towson when I watched them. They played they UVA, were, right? Yeah, they looked. I mean, obviously they're expected to lose that game, but they look kind of lost. Um, so we'll see what what they're able to bring. It's going to be a. I think it's going to be kind of a gross year in the conference. So I'm excited because I think JMU is going to have chances to win most of the games. If I'm being honest, like none of the teams really scare me yeah. as like a, a, as like an unbiased person from the outside. You, you don't look at this and you're like, this team is going to run the table. Like Hofstra is probably the best coming off of last season, but I think they lost a couple key seniors. But they just have the best coach in the conference, like without a doubt right now. Um I think a team with six conference losses, seven conference losses, could easily win this. Like, Yeah, especially with the back-to-back stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think if you have one or two off weekends, that's four losses right there. Like, you could blink in a weekend, and you could go from first in the CAA to, like, seventh, probably. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be fun. a year. And I think is going to win out. All right. Bennett's stupid take. (laughs) You want to move into signing day? That's what yesterday was. We are recording on Thursday, December... December 17th. Yesterday was December 16th and was National Signing Day. And the Dukes brought in, I believe, 12 new recruits who signed on the dotted line, meaning they are officially JMU Dukes. Yep. They got their uh, impermissible benefits and they're looking for it. No, um, <laughs> I think it's signing day is growing on me. Like I'm starting to like signing day more. It's still hard for me to get amped because like I just don't watch high school football. So I don't like, I don't know. I try to trust the rankings as much as I can and see when guys are highly rated. But it's it's a lot easier to see that at the FBS level when you're looking at like FBS teams than it is at the FCS where the rankings are kind of all over the place. I mean, here are sports. I think it even said they're not putting out rankings until or a more detailed overview until like the, the later signing period. So like you didn't even really get a, a thing from like Brian. Um, so it's, it's just hard to, hard to know <laughs> what they bring. None of them are enrolling early, um, which makes sense because they would not be allowed to play in the spring, which I learned yesterday. And also I think 11 of the 12 are playing a spring yes. senior season. And Only yes. one played in the fall. And I think yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Josh Toner, the offensive lineman from Jersey. I have no idea, but that's how I'll trust you. I'm not 100% <laughs> sold on that. But Regardless, most of them still are going to get that in, so that'll be how they develop. So you're not going to see them in the spring. Um, in the fall, I mean, they might even have kind of a, a hard time. Obviously, they'll come in, but they'll just play a high school season against – They'll have some guys who are probably feeling pretty confident who have already played at the college level. Like, I think it's going to take time for these guys to work their way in. What's your over-under? Well, first, let me let me just run this by. Jam, you got um, – just get the shout-outs or, or whatever for the uh, – for all the signings. You got offensive lineman Josh Toner, 6'3", 320, big boy out of Marlton, New Jersey. Got linebacker Matt Binkowski out of Haymarket, 6'1", 230. Billy Atkins, which has a lot of JMU fans excited on the Twitter machine. QB Billy Atkins, he's 6'1", 200 out of Parkton, Maryland. You got a tight end, Zach Horton out of Roanoke, 6'4", 250. Defensive lineman, Matai Fitz. I represent that Fitz name. Let's go. Leesburg, 6'2", 265. 
Safety Messiah Russell out of Newport News, 6'2", 187. Offensive lineman Jalen Montgomery, 6'4", 315 out of Pittsburgh. These are some big high school offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken. Like, especially for an FCS school. Wow. <laughs> Linebacker Jalen Walker out of Richmond, 6'2", 194. Skyler Martin, Wake Forest picture and all ACC recruited. He is a three-star out of Ashburn, Virginia, 6'3", Offensive lineman Scott Hummel, is he 3'10"? Because his picture doesn't look like he's a 310-pound person. Out of Newmarket, Maryland, wide receiver Maxwell James out of Springfield, Virginia, 6'3", um, And safety Kai Holmes out of Bowie, 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 Maryland six foot 190 so that's the that's the signing class um well i had a point that i was gonna say before i named off their names what were you just talking about i was talking about how they were gonna take a really long time to actually play when do you think we'll see them play because they're not gonna play in the spring because they're not allowed um they're not gonna play in the fall because 11 of the 12 will be coming off of a spring season themselves so odds are 99 percent of these kids are gonna redshirt do we see them in fall of 2022? I think you could see someone like Skylar Martin <laughs> try to get time and like in the fall of 2021. Like I think he's a really good one and they don't have a ton of depth at linebacker. The other guys, like there's there's depth at more positions. Like they have a lot of offensive line depth. A bunch of the guys are allowed to come back if you want. Like there's that extra eligibility. So like Jamie, you could just basically recycle its same <laughs> Run it back. roster. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think you're starting to look more at, at 2022 for some of these kids to actually play, which isn't too different than normal. It's just weird because there's like that additional season in the spring now. But like normally you would not expect too many freshmen to actually play their their first year. I think, though, what's, what's the what the difference is with this recruiting class to other ones, like you don't expect the freshmen to play, but you like they can. Like there's an opportunity. We saw Latrell Palmer, the freshman. Well, he was a walk-on really, right? I think he had a scholarship. Okay. It was, I think Van Horse was a, he's a walk-on running back. Thank you. Yeah. But like you look at these kids and like, you're like, they have the potential to play. When you look at this, this national signing day, like I really don't expect them to play in fall 2021. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You you mentioned the, like the fact that they're just coming off a high school season, I think, which they don't have like a, a you know, a time off, which makes it challenging. So that's, that's certainly part of it. I wonder, though, who they play in – I haven't looked at the future schedule. But if you have some of those cupcake games, I wonder if you might see some of the guys actually suit up a little bit in 2021 when they're up, like, 70 to 3 on somebody. But I don't – like, in terms of, like – I'm not expecting a Latrell Palmer type of impact no. from anybody in 2021. Yeah, especially because there's not a running back in the class, so that would be kind of foolish of you to expect that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, but I don't know if anyone is at a position where they can just step in and like immediate, like there's a lot of linebackers, which I think maybe you can find a way to, to get in there as sort of a depth person. And then there's a lot of like offensive line and like Jamie's pretty deep at the offensive line. And typically for the offensive line at Jamie, you need like multiple seasons to, to bulk up. And I mean, obviously they're big, but like 320, a high school 320 to me is different than like a college playing 320. Like I would expect oh, yeah. some of these, I think some of these guys might shed like five to 10 pounds as they get stronger. No offense to these kids, but like, I think there's more strength in a college 320 than there is in a high school 320. Definitely. Yeah. Um, But 
man, these are, I, I was in our, in our rundown. I didn't have this. So this, we're going off the cuff right here. These are some big offensive linemen. They are, they are getting power run offensive linemen. Like Kurt Signetti is saying we can play gauge Maloney and pass it four times and just run a power RPO scheme and have ourselves a day. It's, it's fascinating. Cause it's, I have no idea which one's easier. Like if, is it easier to get a guy who's 270 and you bring him up or is it easier to get a guy who's 320 who maybe goes down a little? I have no idea. I feel like getting a 270 kid and bringing him up is easier because there's more to – how many 320 – I keep <laughs> looking at 320 for Josh Toner out of Marlton, New Jersey. That's a name you're going to remember. But how many 320 high schoolers are there? Like, at my, at my high school, I don't think a single person on our offensive line was more than 290. That makes sense. <laughs> it's just – I don't like I get excited when I look at Jamie's offensive line like the guy current guys because you have dudes like yeah. I think Fornado's 310 and they list him ass like they got a bunch of guys Trubo Wilson's 313 they got some dude Nick Kidwell's 315 and he's just a monster so like they've got an FBS size offensive line and it seems like they're sort of continuing that with the recruiting so it's cool to see them getting those guys and <laughs> I mean, can you have a class that just like screams Kurt Signetti more where it's like they just got a lot of like linebackers, tight ends, offensive linemen, one quarterback, one wide receiver, and like some safeties. Like I think this makes him very happy. I'm going to say I think if you replace the wide receiver with a running back, like a yeah. four-star <laughs> or a three-and-a-half-star running back, I think that would just be Kurt Signetti to a T. He would be like, this is how I win just it's fun to see so i'm excited about it my other takeaway because i don't have that many takeaways is just that i think it's cool that they did a good job almost everybody's regional right i think the farthest away is toner in new jersey but you got the maryland kids and then a ton of in-state products i think that's a a recipe for success for for signetti is just getting some of these kids who maybe fall through the cracks a little bit some guys who do have some like power five offers occasionally but then also the guys who get like the Mac offers, the group of five offers in the area. Like if you can build those relationships and consistently recruit Virginia, Jamie should be fine. Cause there's so much talent across the state. If you can do that and kind of go into Maryland a little bit, I think it's a, a recipe for success. And then you also add in their ability, at least in recent seasons to add like those impact FBS transfers every now and then, like, I don't know, it's hard to see JMU like falling off the map at the FCS level. Yeah, I mean, I they're really the the JMU is the the North Dakota State of the South. Like, they've kind of just built themselves up into this perennial power where they're they're not rebuilding, they're reloading. And, and as as cliche as that is, that is what JMU is doing. And if we want to kind of jump into first looking at Billy Atkins, the quarterback, um, he's the one that it's so hard. And I, I was joking when we started this podcast about how I saw his huddle and how he can throw 50 air yards and how I'm so excited. You never know with these kids, with the, with the, with these quarterbacks, especially how, what their impact is going to be. I mean, every year there's a new like excited person we're about. It was Cole Johnson. It was Gage Maloney. It was Kyle Adams. It was, I feel like there was another one in there. Like there's always every season. It seems like there's a QB prospect that JMU nation gets really excited about on Twitter. This year it's Billy Atkins he got another offer from William and Mary, um, according to 247. He is a two-star prospect, 58th rated prospect out of Maryland, 116th rated pro-style quarterback in the nation. 
um, out of Baltimore, Mount St. Joseph's. Really good huddle tape, but that's as much as you can. What do you expect out of – I mean, you're really just blindly thrown at a dartboard here. What do you expect out of (laughs) Billy Atkins? I'm interested to see how it develops because obviously next year, the spring, and then also the fall, it's going to be the Cole Johnson or Gage Maloney show. I don't know which way they'll go. I think both are capable of starting and be fine with whatever. So you've got Maloney. Maloney could, I guess, with eligibility, I guess he could do spring, fall, and then another fall, I think. I think Gage and Cole have the same eligibility. Cole is one older. He's Richard Sr. Gage is Richard Jr. So then so Cole can do spring, fall. fall. Oh, can he do another one if you want it or no? Fall. Yeah. Oh, God. So Gage Maloney, I guess, could be here for until like 2029. Uh, <laughs> so Gage could go spring, fall, fall, fall. Is that right? <laughs> well, okay, what is he again? Run that by me. He's a redshirt junior. So, so he can go got... his junior year spring, his junior year fall, his senior year fall. He could do 2022 fall then. Yeah. Yeah. So he could, he okay, could play three I'm more confused. seasons. I really feel bad for our listeners right now because <laughs> I know. I think listeners. he can play. I think he can play. The spring doesn't count. Yeah. So the, the fall junior, is going to count. So the fall junior be, year. The fall junior would be his year. junior and then he has the two next. junior years essentially, and then he will play his senior year the next it's fall twenty twenty two. Yeah, you're right. Where Cole yeah. is senior senior. Cole's going to be done after the fall. Got it. Yes, unless I mean I guess he could even be done after the spring if he wants to. It's kind of up to him. Yeah. Um. So we'll see what happens with that. But so you're going to have Gage Maloney for you would think the fall and then also twenty twenty two. So I mean it's just interesting to see because like Kyle Adams and um the new guy, Billy Atkins, they don't need to play for like three years. Is that right? It's basically like three years. They don't have to play for a really long time. So I don't, I mean, I have no idea. Like I'm interested to see how they develop. And it's also interesting because like JMU obviously has had so much coaching turnover. Do they have three years to develop with Shane Montgomery and um, Kurt Signetti? Because if they do, I think that's a bright future, but it, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. It's so weird with the eligibility, like, because Gage Maloney, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of the Gage Maloney chapters. We haven't at all. I'm looking at the roster now, and there's so many new faces that it's absurd. Um, but what I was going to say, and then on top of not even scratching the surface of um, the Gage Maloney time, we haven't scratched the surface on the Kyle Adams time. Yeah, well, he's yeah, because he <laughs> he's gonna be around a while. And there's also um, Patrick Bentley and Jacob okay. Knight, who have I never... think they're walk-ons though, so I don't expect them to actually ever play. Oh, okay. Um, That's my what I believe is to be true. Not that they could not, but I I think it was kind of similar. They had like Jake O'Donnell on the roster previously, and he ended up transferring to. Uh, different school. I think he was a preferred walk-on or something. Man, this roster. They have a lot of quarterbacks in the roster. It's, yeah, it's just weird. Because they also, <laughs> like, that's maybe the one position that, like, is easiest to bring in, like, a superstar transfer in the offseason. So, like, Billy Atkins and uh, Kyle Adams, talented. And I think Signetti was saying yesterday that he prefers to develop guys. But, like, if you have a Ben DiNucci caliber 
dude who is like starting at a power five level who's transferring is interested, like you're going to pull the trigger on that if you can. If you have that, like, and, and Jamie yeah. has that, like, I mean, and, and they'll still get their opportunities. Like yes. Cole and Gage got their opportunities, but. And Brian beat out Connor Mitch. Yeah, exactly. And let's revisit that uh, take you had, <laughs> but exactly. Like Philly can play. Kyle Adams can play. Gage is going to be there for three more years. There's Unless going to be an FBS transfer in a couple in one of those years. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Going to my per the person that I'm the most excited for. You mentioned him just because his picture is at Wake Forest. <laughs> Skylar Martin is a three-star prospect, number four yeah. in Virginia, the 107th ranked outside linebacker according to two, four, seven Sports. Let me just read you this list that he had offers from. James Madison University, UConn. Didn't UConn stop there? Oh, they went down a level. No. Well, are they going down a level? Wasn't I think there... they... <laughs> Let me remember. I, didn't... I thought they weren't agreeing to F to go. They're not in the AAC anymore, right? They're okay, that's go, what happened. I think. Connecticut, Kent State, Louisville, UMass, Vanderbilt... Uh, UVA and Virginia Tech. Oh, wait. He didn't get an offer from Virginia Tech. He got an offer from UVA, though. Yes. So, stolen from an in-state rival. It's a, a good one to get. I mean, he's a really talented dude. 6'3", 230. He's already, like, built. And I thought this, his quote that they put on the bio was interesting. He picked it, obviously, because it's, like, close to home. But he could have picked, you know, other in-state schools. But he also had mentioned that he's excited to play with his former teammate, um, Mikhail, I think it is, Kamara who's a defensive lineman, a freshman on the team. I think that's something that stands out to me is like, if you can get really talented kids from the same high school and they like all have that word of mouth, like, yeah, man, we compete for championships and do this. Like that's a recipe for success. And I think Signetti and company are, are doing a nice job. Cause I think um, they're underrated recruiters. I feel like we gave Houston a ton of credit for recruiting, but I think Signetti is to me is maybe a more complete football coach and a more complete recruiter just at a lower level. I mean, Signetti is, has a couple big-time recruits under his on his belt from his time at Alabama, his time at NC State. He recruited Russell Wilson. He recruited Julio Jones. I think he recruited Mark Ingram. If JMU can add guys <laughs> like Russ and Mark Ingram, it's over. <laughs> yes. No, but you're uh, right. He's got – he's just like – well, he's older than Houston is part of it. But he's he's more experienced, and I think that that plays – I think it's important. I think he yeah. is easily gains respect from like high school coaches and whatnot. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be fun. This signing period, um, I was probably less tuned in than I have been in the past. I'm just kind of looking over it. It makes me more excited for the season in general. Like, yeah, this football season, if it happens, um, I hope it does. So do I. This team is. I mean, is it too far to say national championship or bust? Because there's a question mark at the QB. The schedule is so easy that they should go into the playoffs pretty easily. So I think that makes me wonder. It's a shortened playoffs, right? It's like fewer teams. It's like 16 or something. 12? Yes. Might be 12. Is it 12 or 16? It's, I think. I don't know. FCS. I think there's only two at-large or like four at-larges. So it would be like 12, right? You and then every. Or is it 10 auto bid? It's 10 auto bid. Because <laughs> the MEAC doesn't get one and Ivy doesn't get one. 
Yeah, so it's going to be like, I mean, if you get in, a 16th is looking like. So I think, how many conferences are there? Sorry. I think there's 12. Oh, okay. Well, it's saying there are 16 from what I'm reading. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's smaller than it normally is, which is kind of fun. I think they're good because all they're going to have to do is run the ball like 80 times a game. How excited are you for Latrell Palmer? Because he got that injury last season and then kind of yeah. like got put, shuffled down the depth chart for some reason and then made this like amazing return to the national championship where then he started running, right? Is that what happened or am I? Yeah, they did the, uh, <laughs> as we all do, I think they were down two possessions and they went to the Wildcat late in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Dude, I'm so excited to get mad about how conservative they are where they're, <laughs> they're like fourth down with like a minute left and no timeouts and they punt it. And then West Virginia throws the ball and throws an incompletion and people are like, it actually was the right decision. <laughs> no, it was not. Anyway. Um, I, I want to just figure out how to code for analytics this upcoming season and just, just analytically just shit on like all of the decisions. Like I love this coaching staff. I love this team. It's so much fun to play, but like, I just want to see how many times like analytically and probability wise they should punt or they should go for it. Cause I guarantee you there's going to be one that's like, if they had gone for it on fourth and one (laughs) up three points with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, they would have increased their win probability by like 70%. And there's I think <laughs> I think it might come back to bite them in the playoffs. Kind of like I thought they could have been more aggressive in the championship game. You look at North Dakota State was running like fake field goals and stuff. Um, you know yeah, what the problem I mean, was in the national championship? Let's open this can of worms. The problem in the national the championship was that they rushed so heavy up the sides, they left the whole freaking alley in the middle for Trey Lance to just run all over them. Only they had like a super athletic linebacker or like guys or safeties who could have spied them. <laughs> but like maybe they had like attended Ohio State for a bit too. I don't oh my know. God, they had so many athletes. Anyway, they still had chances to win that. But I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. They still like, could have won it. They were on the two yard line and threw an interception. I think they're gonna mow through the schedule. I'm just excited to watch them. I hope they're able to play because they're loaded. Also, I had I, I was listening to Greg Medea's latest podcast and he said like Isaac Uku was looking good. I thought he like retours ACL, but I guess he is okay. I never followed up. I think he got hurt. I swear he, he did too. I thought he retoured. Yeah, they were talking about how he looked good in fall ball. I was like, what do you mean? So I guess he's okay. Let's Google this. I should have Googled this beforehand. Isaac. Oh, no. What? Well, they are saying he's out, but on his podcast, I swear to God, he said he was off to. to off. <laughs> I'm going to have to fact check. Maybe he's looking good for the fall season, not the spring. Oh, maybe it'll be like for the next fall. For you know who reason, I'm really excited to see play? I gotta double check this. Um this podcast. I hope I'm not. I could be wrong on that. Whatever Greg said on his podcast, I'm sure he's right. I might have misheard or have confused Uqua with another defensive lineman. Who are you excited to see play? This running back room. Yeah, because they're like five deep. <laughs> like each of the running backs on this team are starters at another FCS school. Like Jawan Hamilton is a speed burner. He should be returning every kick and he was a it's <laughs> like a UCF starter. That's what I'm and now he's like the third string running back on our like he's the speed back, which he should be returning kicks and punts. But but then Latrell Palmer, Mr. Marshawn Lynch is gonna just destroy he's gonna take the souls of every CAA defense and crush them he's as really he good. 
runs to the CAA Player of the Year. That's a hot take. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get the ball enough. I think he's going to run for 100 yards a game. That's insane. Or do you think all three of them are going to get 100 yards a game? No, I think Latrell Palmer is going to get like 100 on 10 carries a game. Like not, a, not an exaggeration. Really? I think he's going to average eight yards per carry this upcoming season. But you think he's going to get 10 carries for 100 yards? That's interesting math. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a couple more carries. My thing is, like, how do you take Percy off the field? Damn. Did, did you forget about Percy? <laughs> no, I didn't forget about Percy. Like, well, I said eight. He had 19 touchdowns last year. Yeah, he'll be the goal line back. No, Latrell yeah. should be the goal back. Oh, my back. God. He'll be the goal line back. Loki, I'm really glad I'm not the coach because figuring out who gets the ball win would be the most difficult thing in the world. Because you can't forget about um, Solomon Van Horst. He's a good third down option, yeah. You can't forget about Austin Douglas, who I think is a cornerback now, actually. I think they moved him back. Okay. <laughs> and then no wonder the uh, the best recruit from last season transferred. The running back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, name. Good times. That's all I have on, on all of this. My other final take, sticking with the running backs, is Percy only averaged 4.7 yards per carry last year. I feel like that can be that can go way up. Yeah, he did have a lot of more – he was more of like the, the grounded pound. Yeah. Like He's, as much as Latrell Palmer is like a pounder and stuff like that, like <laughs> I feel like Latrell had more more big plays where Percy was more like – Five yards, five yards, two yards, five yards. Like that was kind of his run style. Where Latrell Palmer, Palmer. <laughs> will wear number five this year. No, you don't like that. No, was Lynch also twenty one? Marshawn. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch was twenty four. Then why did you care that he wore twenty one? Because that's a running back's number. I hate. You don't like five? Reggie Bush <laughs> is that not a running back? <laughs> He averaged six point seven yards a carry. He's so good, dude. He You're really telling me Latrell Palmer. Latrell Palmer is going to be Jarrett Patterson. You know Jarrett Patterson? Yeah, I know Jarrett Patterson, <laughs> Buffalo superstar. I'm just so excited because I'm. I think. <laughs> like, is Kurt Zinetti gonna throw the ball? Like, it's gonna have to be what? Okay, here's a question for you. Third and what will make him actually think throw? Six. six. Yeah, I think six. I think it's six. <laughs> Thirty-five. He's he's turning around and giving the ball to the running back. You know what we're gonna turn into this season? A, a service academy running. Not yes. The triple option, just running I formation and the wing and like all of that. Do you remember when we knew so little about Kurt Zignetti that his opening press conference, somebody had to ask him and be like, "Hey, you're not gonna run the triple option, are you?" And he was like, "No." They're like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> that was fun. Did Mike Houston get that same question? Because he ran the triple option. That's what. That's what. Did I say Signetti? I meant Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah, you said Signetti. I was like, no, Signetti was Signetti. Signetti was not asked that question. Signetti, though, they run the ball eighty-seven times a game, so I'm interested to see. That's why I think Gage might have the inside track, just because if he puts Gage in there, he like really doesn't have to throw the ball. Be like quarterback draws on third and eight. Looking forward to the opportunity to watch them play. February 20th, folks. It's a good birthday present for me. Is that your birthday? Uh, the 25th is. Oh, that's... <laughs> all right, I think that's all I got. 
That's all I got too. Um, this was a fun podcast. I can't wait for football and the fact that we even we had to have our our, our terrible takes on National Signing Day, but we just had to talk about something football related. Yes, it's fantastic. Men's basketball back in action. They're gonna beat Florida. Stamp it. All right. Women's basketball plays Maryland, nationally ranked Maryland, on Saturday at 11 a.m. Tune in for that. I think that one's on ETM Plus. Oh, I don't get that. I don't so I don't know that. if anybody gets that. But if you don't, you can probably do a radio broadcast. Oh, yeah, true. Good point. So for Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.